Hello, welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining me today, Mr. Matt Lovell. Hello. Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Hello. Oh, yeah, that's it as well. <laughs> and Mr. Sam Edwards. Hello. It is International Podcast Day today, Saturday the 30th of September 2023. So we thought we'd do an impromptu little outdoor one as we're all at the Mockingbird Cinema in Digbeth because we're doing a film festival as well, which we'll talk about a little bit at the moment. But Podcast Day. So... I think the podcast awards just finished a couple of days ago and BBC Sounds, which won everything. You mean uh, the radio broadcast masquerading as podcast awards? <laughs> Possibly that one, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so what do podcasts mean to us? So we've been doing this for seven years now. So, I don't know, shall we recommend some of our favourite podcasts and talk about podcasting in general? Yeah, I've got a couple that I cool. can recommend wholeheartedly. Well, do you want to start then, Keith? Um, yeah, well podcast for me was about a way of um, finding out about other people who were interested in the same things I was. So obviously nerd culture at the time probably wasn't as mainstream as it is now. So there was a lot less uh, kind of stuff on mainstream channels to watch. So podcast is a way of kind of hearing people talk about comics, talk about random films. Um, and it was genuinely real people who had something interesting to say rather than packing it up as a product to mm. promote themselves or their channel or whatever it is um, so I kind of listened to lots of podcasts a long time ago now it's so it's a little less as everything's become a little bit kind of like advertisements for Huel or some other podcast service or whatever it is bear with me one moment Keith we just go, and go straight to another it's Ray Chatter Legends <laughs> <laughs> no never 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 know that have you got an urgent report to produce perhaps you should use Grammarly um, <laughs> Yeah, um, so kind of the big podcast that I'm listening to at the moment I highly recommend everybody listens to is um, Nish Kumar and Coco Khan who do uh, Pod Save the UK, which is the best uh, political podcast available to you right now. It's brilliant. Every week they have a go <laughs> about all of the shenanigans that's going on in the British politics, which is pretty good. And a new one which has just started is Scarred for Life which is the guys who do kind of um, Scarf for Life books. So they're getting regular guests in. They've only done their first full broadcast <laughs> in the last week, which was Jamie Anderson of um, Jerry Anderson fame. Mm -hmm. that, that sounds... The guy yeah. that you went and made me introduce myself to, like, like he was one of your mates. At a, yeah. at a it's just convention. somebody I had corresponded to over uh, Right, I need socials. to tell this story. <laughs> so Keith sent me down to London... Uh, London Comic Con, I, I think it was LMCC. You. So it was London Film and Comic Con, Wrenchon. And Keith goes, whilst you're down there, go and have a word with Jamie, who'll be on the Jerry Anderson stand, and he'll do an interview. So I naturally assume... Like Jamie. <laughs> no, I naturally assume that Keith meant, I know Jamie, this is, this is a friend, <laughs> go and speak to him, and I've already arranged all that stuff. No, me like a pleb just wander up to him and goes, is Jamie around? Not knowing it's... Jerry Anderson's son, Jamie Anderson. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Keith told me to come and speak to you and you'd do it like an interview for our podcast. And it's like, who's Keith? <laughs> <laughs> did he do the interview though? He did do the interview after I went away and cried for about half an hour. <laughs> it was a very good interview and it's one of the joys of doing podcasts. Random stuff like that. But anyway, yes, Jamie yeah. Anderson, Scarf for Life. So Scarf for Life, so it's basically all these kind of weird things that scared those of us that were around in the 70s and 80s, public information films and various other things that were just terrifying. 
And generally anything that was on TV was terrifying, that was packaged up as children's entertainment. I remember the British Rail adverts from back and then were just like full on harrowing. Yeah, you yeah. will die if you go near a railway. And we're going to show you it happening yes. with blood and gore. <laughs> and we're going to put it out at 4.15 on an afternoon just after you've watched Bagpuss. <laughs> don't, don't play with your kite near pylons was another yeah. favourite. Because you will also burst into flames and die, yeah. which we're going to screen to you just after Scooby-Doo. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really good. So those, those are the big two that I'm listening. Obviously, the other big one I listen to all the time is the Adam Buxton podcast, which yes, is great. Dr. Buckles. Yeah. Uh, why that man is an absolute British treasure, I don't know, but that's really good. And there's a few odd ones, you know, Stacey's Parlour. Yep. Uh, Stacey and Barry in the morning. And, and I'll pick and choose other stuff, um, little bits and pieces. Films to, films to something when you're dead, I can't remember. Brett Goldstein, it was great at the beginning, then became a bit too populist, but still. I'm, I, I, yeah, I like my kind of slightly more independent podcasts, really. A lot of comics ones, which are all, strangely enough, American for some reason, because yeah. apparently nobody in Britain buys comics. Apart from you. Yeah, don't tell me about the amount of comics I buy. <laughs> Just don't. So yeah, so that, that's, uh, so yeah, Pod Save the UK and Scarred for Life. Definitely cool. two awesome. recommends. Sam, how about yourself? I know you're a bit of a history buff, so I'm assuming there might be a history podcast thrown in there. Uh, yes, so I only really got into podcasts properly over lockdown. Um, uh, so there are a few that were quite big at the time. Um, in particular that uh, I enjoyed. Uh, so The Rest is History uh, is an excellent uh, history podcast. Um, I, I would say my favourite one, though, rather than being a history one, uh, and apart from ours, of course, uh, <laughs> is um, uh, one called Disneyversity. Um, yeah. And it's um, a reviewer from Empire magazine and a, a lecturer uh, who specialises in animation, history of, and from an artistic side, uh, like his specialist topic, which he literally wrote the book on, is Shrek. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're basically going through the entire back catalogue of the Disney animated features, uh, one by one, from Snow White onwards, mm -hmm. um, doing really interesting deep dive into how it was made, what was going on at the studio at the time, uh, and kind of looking at it from an artistic perspective as well. Uh, they really good at kind of crediting people like the animators and the writers and people that don't necessarily get put front and centre when uh, animated films get advertised. Um, and yeah, it's just really nice kind of atmosphere to it that you can tell they've been friends for years. Um, they're up to, uh, I think the last one they did at the time of recording was uh, Emperor's New Groove, um, which uh, was incredibly enjoyable because it's actually had a really interesting kind of um, uh, history of production issues. I was going to um, say, it had a very small budget compared to most Disney stuff, if I remember correctly. It did, yeah. It sort of had uh, two directors to begin with who both had very different ideas for where it should be going. Um, e even more interesting, actually, was the film before that, which was Dinosaur, uh, which apparently was uh, originally pitched by... Um, uh, What's his name? The special effects dinosaur expert from uh, Jurassic Phil Park. Tippett. Yes, Phil, Phil Tippett as a Paul Verhoeven film <laughs> with dinosaurs uh, having like violent fights, sex scenes, defecation, <laughs> and they pitched it to Disney. And at the time, Disney went, yeah, great. And then 
over time went, uh, actually, can we, can we take this, on this bit out? Can we take <laughs> this bit out? Yeah. yeah, and eventually it turned into Dinosaur, which is one of the worst films Disney has ever done. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Disneyversity, really, really interesting, fun podcast. Disneyverse. Uh, oh, Disneyversity. Ah, uh, okay. So academic Disney. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Matt, how about yourself? Um, controversially, I'm not really into podcasts, other than ours, obviously. <laughs> and Stacey's pop culture parlour. <laughs> Stacey's pop culture parlour. Um, I think it comes down to just more um, my attention span. I struggle to commit to things. But um, there was one that I really got into um, uh, a year or two ago. And it was Are You Michelle from Skins? And it's essentially April Pierce, um, who played Michelle in series one and two of Skins. And in this podcast, she's talking about essentially the 15 minutes of fame and then what happens afterwards. And then she invites like former cast members, but she also invites like ex-boy band members from like X Factor and that kind of thing. And they all like share their experiences of being essentially that typecast. Oh, are you that? Are you that person? You know, um, and it's just really, really interesting. Like it's just it's it's there's some really funny bits. There's some really like hard-hitting bits and it really does kind of give you a bit of a um a raw look at the industry like um and and also because she's going of that era that kind of like um mid-noughties era um it's kind of going through a lot of um the people that i obviously knew and watched when i was growing up and then we're all just all just kind of seeing like the emotional damage they all got off like post like due to fame but yeah so it's a bit it's a, it's a good one are you Mich- uh, are you michelle from skins awesome thank you all right suppose i'm gonna be cheeky now so podcast has been going for a little while now which is Ghibliotech, which is one of my favorite ones and quite appropriate today as we're doing an anime film festival but uh Ghibliotech is a real deep dive into the works of studio ghibli well it's not just Studio Ghibli anymore. They have branched out into other animations. But uh, it's a bit similar to Disney University. They've been they've, going... They've done yeah. a crossover episode before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, basically what they do is look at the world of Japanese animation. In particular, Studio Ghibli, the works of uh, Hayao Miyazaki, Gora Miyazaki, and the rest of the Ghibli franchise. And basically deep dive into each film, how it came about, what was happening in Japan at the time. It's basically, it's Disney University again, but for an anime store. But it's a really, really fun listen. Uh, they've really got so much knowledge of each film as well. I think they've just released a book as well, which is like the Idiot's Guide to um, Ghibli. So it's worth picking that up. But it is one of my favourite little podcasts. And it's told really nicely, perfect for a commute, really worth a listen. The other podcast being, of course, Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour, which I may have guessed on a few times. But yes, Stacey, Birmingham-based podcast podcaster. She's fantastic. She's been going for years. Um, she kind of jumps into Geek Syndicate in and out occasionally. So you might have heard her on Geek Syndicate. Which we should say, we should mention Geek Syndicate as well, because we otherwise Barry yes. and David will kill us. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> but they've been going for a long time. Geek Syndicate I was going to say, well. they're pretty much one of the, the proto-podcasts, I'd probably say. They might kill us if I say they're one of the godfathers or grandfathers <laughs> of uh, podcasting. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, they, their podcasts are fantastic. Um, Stacey actually does another podcast with um, Barry Nugent from Geek Syndicate, which yeah. is Stacey and Barry in the Morning, which is a riff-off of Community, if you're aware of the reference. But yeah, it's kind of a bit of a Saturday morning cartoon-style vibe that they have. They pick it up every couple of weeks. 30 minutes with a musical recommendation, a recommendation of the week, and one other thing which I can't remember. Yeah, really worth picking up. And she also does 
podcast in a half show, which is a TMNT thing. If you know Stacey, she's a massive Turtles nerd. Knows everything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But yeah, so really recommend those. But you said Geek Syndicate as well. It is yeah. one of the ultimate podcasts. I mean, going back in the history, I think the first ever podcast to listen to was uh, Ricky, Steve and Carl. So back in like, when they were on XFM, they turned that into a podcast back in the day. So that was around, what, 2001, 2002, I think they started that one. And now yeah. I feel very old mentioning that one. But um, what was your first ever podcast, Keith? Do you remember? Oh, as a podcast, possibly something to do with Adam and Joe, more than likely. That's probably where I yeah. started. So they did their six music. It was the six, six music one, I think. That yep. that was, so that's kind of early two, 2004, 2005, something like yeah. that, probably. Maybe a little bit earlier. A bit of the Jonathan Ross stuff. So And then some weird American comics ones that don't exist anymore, and I can't no. remember. So now Kevin Smith pretty much dominates comic podcasts in yeah. the US. I think he's on about 650. Smodcast kind of channel has got loads, yeah, yeah. I mean, half the time it's too, yeah, there's too many to listen to, to yeah. be honest. Um, but Matt, Sam, any first podcast memories for yourselves? Anything that particularly you remember? First one I got properly into was probably my dad wrote a porno. Um, which is just wonderfully it's one of silly. The big it's, podcast, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd heard lots of good things about it, and I'd say I got into podcasts properly over lockdown. That properly saw me through lockdown quite happily. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Matt, anything from you from the archives? Um, the first one I tried was uh, Into the Night Vale. Um, so that was like that horror kind of serialised one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the horror serialised one, and that was quite good. Um, yeah, that that was um, just because it was very like Twin Peaksy, like mm-hmm. weird and wonderful, and obviously stylised as a radio program, so it was quite good. And yeah. then there was a um, a Netflix essentially ripoff um, called uh, the Killian Frequency, and that was excellent as well. So yeah, awesome. Right, what, so was your, what was your first one? First podcast, Ricky Stephen Carl. Yeah, I think because I'm thinking I remember doing this where I had to download the podcast <laughs> and then transfer it through iTunes to my yeah. uh, iPod. Not like it wasn't there wasn't an i. A podcast streaming service as such it was yeah. like you actually downloaded them well, places that, and put them on your iPod that's where the name came from wasn't it because it was you listen to podcasts on your iPod it was yeah. a brand new form of media <laughs> when iPods were still a thing yeah I still have an iPod <laughs> I've still got on an old iMac a, a library of podcasts that I downloaded so I've got most of the Adam and Joe six music ones some Jonathan Ross ones and then some other random bits and pieces because I've still got the downloads. So I'll have to I mean, dig those out. That is kind of the one thing nowadays because everything is streaming is some podcasts have just been gone for yeah. years. It's kind of quite weird when you think about it really. It's like a lost form of art, those original podcasts. Now another big podcast you used to listen to was The Fall of Rome, which I think was took forever because it was pretty much was every single episode was Felt like it was real time, <laughs> the entire of the Roman Empire. It's a fantastic listen, but it takes forever. I really do recommend it. Yeah, the podcast into. over several hundred years. <laughs> but we'll move on to our second subject. So anime. So we're doing Birmingham Anime Film Festival. We've picked some fantastic titles. We're doing Perfect Blue, Lenin Actress. We're doing a Makoto Shinkai Marathon. On right now as we do this, Looping the Third, Dragon Ball Super Broly, One Piece. We've got two films on. 
lovely friends at World Apart Birmingham going through their anime and manga Discord. Um, they have Promare and a silent voice they picked for us. We're doing a Ghibli day as well. Lots and lots of stuff. But um, anime films. So I'm going to say, what is your first and what's your favourite anime film? And Sam, you can start us off. I mean, for, uh, technically, the first full-length anime film I saw was probably the first Pokemon movie. Uh, I was big into Pokemon <laughs> as a kid, and I'm still, still fairly am. well into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it just came out at the right time for me. Uh, it's not the best film by a long shot, but uh, it was good fun. I mean, if you um, want to be the very best, no one ever was. It's the it's, 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 it's the main choice. <laughs> yeah, you have to catch all the films as they come out. <laughs> um, uh, and then favourite, it's going to be one of the Ghibli ones, I think, but which one is harder? I'd probably land on Princess Mononoke, just because I love the kind of fantastical, wild, natural setting of it. Um, I, I love all the kind of tribal packs of animals yeah. and the uh, kind of gods leading them. Um, just the, the monkeys. I, I love the monkeys in it. <laughs> they're, they're just these really sinister shadows with glowing eyes and it's just this wonderful like if you were in, in, walking through a jungle for the first time and you had no idea what a monkey was this is how you might experience them this this, this shape in the shadows it's, yeah uh yeah i absolutely love it but any any of the big ghibli ones uh, i'm a big fan of um yeah Matt, how about yourself um, I think my first anime film was also the first Pokemon movie Great. and um, I also had it on video and it was yellow and I was really excited <laughs> yeah um, but I would probably say my favourite has to be Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust because um, when I would see my brother actually like 15 years difference to us at, uh, between us <laughs> Um, he had loads of like anime films like Ninja Scrolls, um, Fist of the North Star, that kind of thing. And I would always like, I would always basically just borrow them and not tell him. And I saw um, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust and I just think the art style is really beautiful. The story is really good um, and it's got that, um, it's just the way it tells the story and the antagonists aren't really antagonists it's it's just quite a beautiful film i think um and it's one of those where i can just watch again and again and again and just really enjoy awesome keith how about yourself to be honest it was so, so long ago i probably can't remember what it was astro i mean well, i was going to say there's things like the well, a lot of them were kind of probably re-edits of tv shows so stuff like astro boy Battle space battleship yamoto uh, Macross, something like that. But I think probably the one that kind of like I think I saw properly, not just on TV, was was Akira. Um, just because that was the one that everybody talked about. It was the kind of thing that sold anime to the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Channel Four had done stuff that they'd watched. Uh, a lot of it was that kind of like borderline hentai stuff that they used to put out late night on Channel Four. Yeah. Um, which I can't remember what the title of that one was. Uh, over, over. Legend of the Overfeet. Legend of the Overfeet. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the one everybody had got on video at some point. Uh, I don't know why. It was in the special special selection back at the back in the blockbusters, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? And it was the, the launch of all the kind of manga stuff on on video. But Akira yeah. is the one that I kind of like you remember as being yeah uh, the the big 
one that wasn't just a re-edited TV show that had come out as a film. And as for favourites, I, this is the I can never answer this favourites question because there's so many that there's obviously tons of the Ghibli stuff. The Fox dub of My Neighbor Totoro mm-hmm. is for me the the one I can't accept the Disney dub at all. It's wrong. Fanning Sisters, no, no, it's not right. It doesn't doesn't work for me at all. So glad you said Fanning. Howl's Moving Castle. <laughs> Uh, Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, yep. all of those kind of, basically any of the Studio Ghibli films yep. are, are, are watchable. I have a special love for The Cat Returns as well, which I think is a great movie. Uh, and then things like Your Name or The Girl Who Jumped Through Time. So there's, there's, there's loads and there's so many, you can't, I can't just pick one, you know. I think if I had to be nailed to the floor and pick one to watch, it would be the Fox dub of My Neighbor Totoro. But if it wasn't the Fox dub, then it would be something else. Maybe maybe Akira, maybe, I don't know. I couldn't pick one, sorry. Awesome, thank you. Probably so, yourself. I was gonna say Akira as well as Keith, but that, I don't think that was the first ever thing I watched. I think it was one of those late night Channel 4 ones. Yeah. And it was Fist of the North Star, because I remember it. Yeah, it was either yeah, Fist yeah. of the North Star and Ninja Scroll, they had them on as a double bill. So kind of the two most violent comic movies that you've ever seen, I think it was that. And then they had like the Giver the following night. So it's like, it's <laughs> bearing in mind I was probably significantly under the age of the stiffication at this point. But yeah, watching those on like Channel 4 really early in the morning, nobody else up. So it's kind of snuck downstairs to watch these films. And yeah, it's kind of that animation style was just not, the only thing we ever got in the UK was Disney or maybe a little bit of Dream, um, SKG, DreamWorks SKG as it was back in those days. You'd have stuff like Prince of Egypt or uh, Titan AE, and they were all very much riffing off that Disney style. Probably the only one that was slightly different, something like an American Tale, but there was still that very traditional Don Bluth or Disney style artwork. Whereas Japanese anime was something so different, and it was like stuff like if I think about Ulysses 31 and Mysterious Cities of Gold, that French Japanese crossover collaboration they had. Probably Mysterious Cities of Gold is officially the first anime anime that I watched, but probably not an anime movie. But yeah, favourite, again, a bit like you, it's probably too hard to pick. I yeah. have a favourite Ghibli, I have a favourite Shinkai movie, I have lots and lots of favourites. Probably the one thing I will constantly go back to is Evangelion, because it is such a weird masterpiece from the mind of Hideki Anno. It's one of those films that it actually punishes you for liking it. I mean, the end of Evangelion is pretty much the worst worst way of having an ending of any kind of series where it was kind of like you like these characters screw you i'm going to mess around with them and none of them are pretty much going to survive until the end of this one it's a fantastic film but at the same time it's so dark and depressing which is why i quite like the rebuilds because it's so if you think about even alien 3.0 one plus 1.0 one thrice upon a time god can you make a short title here yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like the good version of end of evangelion so it's kind of the rebuild is kind of, right, I, I might have been angry when I made Evangelion, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to do a nicer ending for people who want something a little bit different. But yeah, probably probably Evangelion is the one I'd go back to time upon time again and just rewatch, just because it's a fantastic series from start to end. Mm. How do you feel like, because um, we've all got that sort of like memory of anime being this thing you see on late night telly and mm-hmm. now you know obviously we can have things like film festivals anime film festivals um and be loved by um generations so how do you feel like anime is developed 
in the West. There's also a lot more like Western anime, as yeah. it were. I think it's kind of the evolvement from the, uh, Keith and I remember the back in the day of going into blockbusters mm. and there'd be two or three manga titles in a corner somewhere, usually thrown in amongst the Disney stuff, which is quite weird because you wouldn't normally put those there, but it would be like Fist and the Star, Ninja Scroll, Akira, the big titles that we know of, maybe Ghost in the Shell, those kind <coughs> of things. But I think the internet and Blu-ray and DVD changed that quite a lot because it was a good way of getting hold of this stuff quickly. I, I think the, the thing that's changed, not greatly, but has changed a little bit, is the fact that what the West has uh, collectively is animation is for children. Mm -hmm. And the idea of anything animated is going to be slop that's just, you know, churned out to keep kids entertained when you know they, you, you can't deal with them and so I think attitudes towards animation have changed more we're still not quite there as compared to kind of like you know Japan and other cultures who are like it's an art form um, so people are still struggling with the idea if you present people with a, a cartoon they'll look like, they'll be generally that's for kids I don't want to watch that but not realizing the wealth and depth of, of stories that can be told in that format um, but I think the fact that a lot of Western animation houses and big popular uh, franchises like Star Wars have done things like Visions yeah. that can show that like you can do an awful lot with animation that you can't do in live action. Things like Batman the Animated Series. Well, I was going to say, I think there's, an, there's a specific turning point for me, which was the Animatrix, yeah. which was the first one to go in and really lean heavily into. We've picked seven quite famous anime directors yeah the matrix is a massive franchise we're going to use that and we're going to turn that into something else yeah well it's the same thing for me is the the best thing to come out of the nolan batmans yeah was the batman gotham knights yeah. i think it was gotham. called which yeah. was the same it was the animatrix but for batman <laughs> kind of leading into the the dark knight and um i love that that's great that's mm -hmm. the best thing to come out of the nolan batmans for me um but i think slowly attitudes are changing you know yeah. It's, I think it's recognised as its own art form now, rather than just, as you've said, just for kids. Yeah. I think there's been a definite change and seasonal change. And well, just more, just more adult, adult animation in total, you know, as much as it is things like South Park, Rick and Morty, um, yeah. you know, Big Mouth, all of those kind of things show that animation can be grown up. So that, that's why we've got things yeah. like Invincible mm -hmm. and stuff now, which, you know, you probably wouldn't have yeah. got. I mean, well, if you think pre- 80s 90s the only thing we ever had which was adult animation was maybe fritz the cat in the woods yeah which probably helped probably holds quite a lot if you think about that back in the day of that kind of robert crumb kind of yeah the kind of underground it would be underground stuff yeah. really rather than mainstream kind of thing stop motion i think we had more acceptance yeah. of in terms of the the you know the frank meyer stuff and yeah. the choir and all that kind of thing um, but i think animations took a much longer time to break that stigma of being for children mm -hmm. but yeah I think the other thing is it was something new it was something different it wasn't your standard animation yeah going beyond that and it's kind of there are real no rules to anime I mean no. there's so many different varieties of it you've got so many different art styles I mean Studio Trigger is really popular at the moment they've just done the Edrinner series of cyberpunk and that's something so different to how everybody else styles their anime it's very much it's almost like the Western influence has come back and then been yeah. relayed over it again. It's very hyperactive, it's very fast, it's very bright colours, neon, yeah. etc. 
And we're getting the Scott Pilgrim anime as well. Yep. So again, which is that kind of like things that inspired Brian Lee being brought back to kind of uh, yeah. that, that stuff. So I think uh, it's, it's good that, you know, there's lots of choice. And I think the fact that we, lots more people are able to or accepting of subtitles. Yeah. Because that was one of the things that would stop a lot of anime films is it just studios just couldn't be bothered to dub stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it was I mean, a lot of effort. I don't know if it's the same for you guys. I had like a trigger point with subtitles, which my first three or four movies, I found them really hard. And then it came automatically, brain automatically processes subtitles now. It's like I can keep track of the animation without even thinking about reading the subtitles yeah. anymore. It's just there in the background. It's kind of like your brain's automatically processing that transcript. Yeah, I, I think I've always preferred subtitles. Um, mm -hmm. But if, if anything, it's more from sort of live action films because it's just yeah. so distracting seeing a dubbed live action <laughs> film. Um, it's a lot easier to dub something like anime where it's yeah. just mouth opening and closing <laughs> and they fit the words in but um uh but yeah it sort of carries over from that i would much rather watch an anime with subtitles than a dubbed one i think i mean there's just so many god awful dubs out there i think that's part of the problem sure try being a godzilla <laughs> film fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i think as you said going back to your original question matt as an art form it stands on its own now i think mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us on this bonus episode of the Geeky Brewing Podcast. Uh, I've been your host, Mr. Ryan Parrish. Joining me, Mr. Matt Lovell. Where can Hello. we find you online, Matt? <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Matt Lovell and Instagram at matchdeck underscore Matt. Also joining me, Mr. Sam Edwards. Hello. Uh, yeah. uh, you can find me on Twitter at dragonsam89 and on Instagram at sdedwards89. And the eponymous Mr. Bloomfield. Where can we find you online? You can basically find me under the moniker of Hardwick Hotel. And definitely come and find me on Blue Sky now because I've been invited and I'm now there. So come and find me and follow me on Blue Sky before Twitter uh, implodes. Yeah. And you can find us all at Geeky Brewery Podcast on Instagram, X slash Twitter. Formerly Twitter. <laughs> Formerly, <laughs> Formerly Twitter. Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, fantastic range of stuff. Uh, don't forget, well, you're listening to it, I assume. So if you found the podcast, loads to go back and listen to. But, um, Thanks very much, and we'll see you again soon. Oh, don't forget to check out geekrummy.com. Happy World Podcast Day. <laughs>